0: is real. Power in your name. We
1: and so because God writes our relationship with him then he, write, he writes our own understanding of ourselves and then from there it flows then God starts to heal our relationships with other people. Because it begins vertically and we are the pivot point and then it hits horizontal. That's why when they asked Jesus what the greatest commandments were, what did he say? Love God with the totality of who you are and then love your neighbor, what? As yourself.
0: God is about the business of restoration. He specializes in fixing broken things. As Pastor Daniel shares today, this is especially true when it comes to relationships. Because of the work of Jesus, God first brings back together his severed relationship with you. Next, he fixes your understanding of yourself, which then allows him to mend your relationships with others. So let's join Pastor Daniel to get a fuller picture of the work God does in your life. Now here is Pastor Daniel in Leviticus chapter 6 as he continues his message, The Sacrifice Recap.
1: What is unique about this is the focus now is on the holiness of the offering. You notice how over and over again for the sin offering, it is holy. It is most holy. So when when the Holy Spirit is redundant, it's because the Holy Spirit really wants us to grab a hold of the holiness. So the sin offering, again, remember, when somebody sins, they're saying, look, I have failed. I have missed the mark unintentionally, and I realize it. And so I'm coming to make appeasement, atonement. Think of that word that you get at the end of this section, At one mint. It means to bring back together that which was severed. That is what God does. And all of these sacrifices in some way were a type and shadow of the ultimate bringing together, which is in Jesus Christ. God wants to take broken relationships and restore them. And I always say that the broken relationships that God is restoring first is our relationship with God, which is broken because of our rebellion. Then because of the brokenness in our rebellion... First God restores our relationship with him Then he restores our relationship with ourselves Because we have a rebellion issue We don't even understand how to navigate our own selves And so because God Writes our relationship with him Then he writes our own understanding of ourselves And then from there it flows Then God starts to heal our relationship With other people Because it begins vertically And we are the pivot point And then it hits horizontal That's why when they asked Jesus what the greatest commandments were What did he say? Love God with the totality of who you are, and then love your neighbor, what? As yourself. God knows that if we love him with the totality of who we are, we're going to love ourselves properly, and then we should love other people with the same love that we have for ourselves. Does that make sense? So God wants to bring at one what has been broken, our relationship with him, our relationship with ourselves, and then our relationship with other people. And God's healing and reconciliation happens on those three levels. And then, of course, it extends to all of God's creation. Because God is bringing back together what was shattered by rebellion. And you know what the beauty about this is, brothers and sisters? It doesn't matter what you've done. No matter what you've done, no matter how many times you've cursed God with your words, with your actions, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus, he will fix that. He's willing to take on himself no matter what we've done. I know it's amazing. Because God's willing to forgive us, he also gives us the grace to forgive ourselves. So many people, they know that they've been forgiven by God, but they struggle to forgive themselves for their mistakes. But what's amazing is if you struggle with forgiving yourself for your failings, bring it to the Lord. Say, Lord, I struggle. Do you know what the Lord's going to say? If I've forgiven you, who are you to remember it anymore? Talk about pride, not forgiving yourself. You're saying that you know better than God. You're saying, yeah, God might be able to forgive me. I can't forgive myself. Well, then you're pretending like you're God, which we know is wrong. So God deals with all these things. And because God has forgiven us so great a debt, he gives us the grace to forgive ourselves, and then we can forgive anybody for anything. Because the amount that God has forgiven us, by degree, is so much greater than the amount we need to forgive any person, no matter how horrendous they are. So that's what atonement is all about, and that's what the sin offering is all about—bringing back together what was lost because of rebellion. Now, chapter seven, verse one. Likewise, this is the law of the trespass offering. It is most holy. In the place where they kill the burnt offering, they shall kill the trespass offering, and its blood he shall sprinkle all around on the altar, and he shall offer from it all its fat the fat tail and the fat that covers the entrails, the two kidneys and the fat that is on them by the flanks and the fatty lobe attached to the liver above the kidneys, he shall remove and the priest shall burn them on the altar as an offering made by fire to the Lord. It is a trespass offering. Every male amongst the priests may eat it. It shall be eaten in a holy place. It is most holy. The trespass offering, verse seven, is like the sin offering. There is one law for them both, The priest who makes atonement with it shall have it. And the priest who offers anyone's burnt offering, that priest shall have for himself the skin of the burnt offering which he has offered. Also every grain offering that is baked in the oven and all that is prepared in the covered pan or in a pan shall be the priest who offers it. Every grain offering, whether mixed with oil or dry, shall belong to all the sons of Aaron, to one as much as the other. Now, we covered a lot of that last week, didn't we? When, we? when we were looking at the trespass offering in Leviticus chapter 5. Now, again, it's much like the sin offering. It's most holy. Again, we go through all the different things with the fatty tail and all these different parts. Again, God provides for the sustenance of Aaron and his sons from the meat that's left over from the trespass offering. And notice the priest gets to keep the skin. So you could use it for blanket or clothing or whatever. So God, in the midst of all of these offerings, God is also providing for the priests so that they do not have to worry about these things so that they can go about doing the business that God has called them to do. Now, in verse eleven, we move to the peace offering, which we saw in Leviticus chapter 3. Look at what it says. It says, this is the law of the sacrifice of peace offerings, which he shall offer to the Lord. If he offers it for a thanksgiving, then he shall offer with the sacrifice of thanksgiving unleavened cakes mixed with oil, unleavened wafers anointed with oil, or cakes of blended flowers mixed with oil. Besides the cakes, verse 13, as his offering, he shall offer leavened bread with the sacrifice of thanksgiving of his peace offering." And from it, he shall offer one cake from each offering as a heave offering to the Lord. It shall belong to the priest who sprinkles the blood of the peace offering. Verse 15, the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering for Thanksgiving shall be eaten the same day it is offered. He shall not leave any of it until morning. But if the sacrifice of his offering is a vow or a voluntary offering, it shall be eaten the same day. That he offers his sacrifice, but on the next day, the remainder of it all may be eaten. The remainder of the flesh of the sacrifice on the third day must be burned with fire. And if any of the flesh of the sacrifice of his peace offering is eaten at all on the third day, it shall not be accepted, nor shall it be imputed to him. It shall be an abomination to him who offers it, and the person who eats of it shall bear guilt. Verse 19 the flesh that touches any unclean thing shall not be eaten, it shall be burned with fire, and as for the clean flesh, all who are clean may eat of it. But the person who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord, while he is unclean, that person shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, the person who touches any unclean thing, such as human uncleanness, or unclean animals, or an abominable, unclean thing or he who eats the flesh of the sacrifice of the peace offering that belongs to the Lord that person shall be cut off from his people now again the peace offering was called the well-being offering it was a thankfulness offering it was a, an act of gratitude we have a lot of details about how the cakes should be offered what they should be what is unique about this is as we get towards the end of this section we start realizing that God is taking some of these things very, very seriously. That, I, that phrase, a person shall be cut off from the people, literally means that person should suffer the death penalty. Now, when people read that, especially a modern person, a contemporary person, you say, I mean, excuse me? Like, seriously? We have to remember. You have to remember this. God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't ever believe that the God of the Old Testament's mean... And the God of the New Testament is like super nice because God is the same. There's nothing more abominable to God than what he did to his own son, Jesus, for us. Think about the gospel. God poured out his vengeance, his righteous vengeance against evil, but he did it on his own son. So God takes holiness, God takes obedience extraordinarily seriously, so seriously that his own son died because we don't do it. And so, when we read these things, we are like, I mean, seriously, like, if somebody eats the meat too late, I mean, somebody, like, someone who touched an unclean thing, he's gonna get caught. I mean, are you serious? Yeah, we're serious. Because God looks at sin differently than we do. Why? Because His eyes are too pure that He can behold evil. We are sinners by nature, so we're, we're like, what's the big deal? I mean, so I lied. I've been lying every single day since I can remember. What's the big deal? I, I, I did this. I've been doing this my whole life. God hasn't. And God holds us responsible because God realizes the things that we do have eternal consequences. Not just consequences in the here and now, but literally eternal consequences. And God takes those things radically seriously. It's interesting. The Dalai Lama is very popular. Very popular. And you know what's amazing? I've read a lot of the Dalai Lama's books. I'm trying to figure out, so where's this guy coming from? He has a lot of good things to say. Don't ever think that he doesn't have anything good to say. He talks about things like compassion and kindness. Those, those are biblical concepts. But you know what's interesting about the Dalai Lama? He believes that the totality of your life will affect your afterlife. Right? And so when you die, you're going to be reincarnated. And according to his thing, we need to learn how to be kind. But I'm always like, well, hey, um, Mr. Lama, what's the deal with all the mistakes that we made? And, and you've got to realize it's a, Buddhism is purely workspace. You have to try and do better things every single day. And hopefully when your reincarnation comes, you get to a better spot. But if you're really honest about your life, that's a totally lost cause. I mean, like, you're totally, you're totally done. You have nowhere to go. We have made innumerable mistakes for all these years. And even though maybe we're getting a little better than we were before, we still fall short infinitely. So, I mean, it's all nice. And yeah, let's talk about compassion. But what about all the times we weren't compassionate? What about all the times we weren't kind? What happens then? And if you're the kind of person who believes in karma or reincarnation, you are really setting yourself up for a lost eternity. If you're a human now, all the things you do you think you're going to come back as like a better human? Dude, you're going to come back as a roach, a mole, a rat a mosquito. I mean, you got no hope. And if you don't believe me, just ask the people close to you. They'll tell you. You're in a bad way. You're in a bad way. So, I mean, some of his stuff isn't bad, but you're totally if you follow that, your karma is going to bite you in the bum. It, it's not going to get you where you want to get to. But the gospel teaches, the gospel teaches that God takes it very seriously, so seriously, he sent his own son. Why would you want to roll the dice hoping that you did more good things than bad things, which we all know you haven't done, and neither have I, and neither has anybody, even the nicest person in the world hasn't done that. Why roll the dice with that kind of thing when you can let Jesus finish the work for you and be done with it? And because he's finished, you live your life in response to him, and you become more compassionate, more kind, and you grow, but you're never hoping that you're going to get to a more elevated place, growing, because you know it's not possible. God takes this stuff so seriously, so much more seriously than we do. And I don't know about you, but that scares me a little bit. It scares me that God takes my life more seriously than I do. God takes my mistakes and he sees the weightiness of it more than I do. When you realize that God takes it so seriously, we start to say, Lord, I want my life to count for what you value it for. And when you read things like this, I'm like, man, I mean, can't God just get, take it easy? Like, does anyone feel that when you read that kind of stuff? I mean, come on, it's just, they just touched an unclean animal. I mean, come on. No, that's how, that's how serious sin is to the almighty God. We have to realize that because we do it all the time, we don't see it for what it is. We've been desensitized to its gravity. But God who is perfect and holy and pure, he's not desensitized at all. He sees it for what it is. It's eternally reprehensible. It has eternal consequences that God wants to fix for us. Now, verse 22. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel, saying, You shall not eat any fat of Ox or sheep or goat, and the fat of an animal that dies naturally and the fat of what is torn by wild beasts may be used in any other way, but you but you shall by no means eat it. for whoever eats the fat of the animal on which men offer an offering made by fire to the Lord, the person who eats it shall be cut off from his people. Moreover, you shall eat no or shall not eat any blood. In any of your dwellings, whether of a bird or a beast, whoever eats any blood, that person shall be cut off from his people. So, the two no-nos are eating fat, and your doctor would agree with me, and the Lord on that one, I'm being facetious, a little, and no blood, okay? So, no fat, no blood, that's what it says. Now, the blood portion of it, of course, if you've read the Bible at all, you realize that According to later in the book of Leviticus, we're going to find that the life is in the blood. And if you think about it, it makes a lot of sense. When your heart beats, it pumps blood throughout your body, which brings everything that your body needs. When your heart stops pumping, you might have the best organs, but it all dies. Because the blood is, is the transport thing for your body. And so the life is in the blood. Now, in that culture, the issue with blood is that people would drink blood because they were trying to impart the God of whatever through animal sacrifices that drank blood. So um, blood's a no-no. It's no good. It's no good. And it makes sense that when Jesus was talking and he told the people, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. And everyone bailed out. They were like, seriously? And he was like, yeah, seriously. And they all left. I mean, talk about Jesus being anti-strategic in his church growth plan. You know, it's like he was getting a big crowd. He's supposed to Give him itching ears. He's like, yeah, man, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you're out of here. And they're like, yes, we are. That sounds pretty disgusting. Right? Imagine if, he, if Jesus was here today and he said that. We'd all bow too. Like, you know, uh, no thanks, Jesus. I'll take my Coca-Cola, please. But again, that, that prohibition against blood. Okay? Now, closing out this chapter, verse 28. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel He who offers the sacrifice of his peace offering to the Lord shall bring his offering to the Lord from the sacrifice of his peace offering. Verse 30, his own hand shall bring the offerings made by fire to the Lord. The fat with the breast he shall bring that the breast may be waved as a wave offering before the Lord. And the priest shall burn the fat on the altar and the breast shall be Aaron's and his son's. Also the right thigh you shall give to the priest as a heave offering from the sacrifices of your peace offerings. He among the sons of Aaron who offers the blood of the peace offering and the fat shall have the right thigh for his part for the breast of the wave offering and the thigh of the heave offering I shall take from the children of Israel from the sacrifices of their peace offerings and I have given them to Aaron the priest and to his sons with the children of Israel by statute forever. This is the consecrated portion for Aaron and his sons from the offerings made by fire to the Lord on the day when Moses presented them to minister to the Lord as priests. The Lord commanded this to be given to them by the children of Israel on the day that he anointed them by a statute forever throughout their generation. Verse 37. This is the law of the burnt offering, the grain offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the consecrations and the sacrifice of the peace offering, which the Lord commanded Moses on Mount Sinai on the day when He commanded the children of Israel to offer their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. Now, this closing section in this section of the book of Leviticus starts talking about the portions for the priest, primarily the breast and the thigh. So these were two good parts of an animal. They were a blessing. To the priest, it was their portion. Notice we've been hearing now recently about both the wave and the heave offering. And this was a certain way that the priests would lift up their hands to the Lord in offering it. So we have all these different offerings in the way that they were, but there were certain just a little like a wave offering, they'd go like this, the heave offering, they'd lift it up. Just different ways of doing these different offerings. But once again, you have God is again providing for the priest. The right thigh. And then, of course, the breast piece. And if you've ever gone to a barbecue, those are probably pretty good spots, aren't they? Right? You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, good. Now, notice, when you get to verse 35 and 36 and then 37 and 38, you start having those concluding statements. So whenever you see these type of statements, especially in long stretches of text, you start to realize these are wind-down statements. Notice verse 35. This is the consecrated portion for Aaron and his sons, from the offerings made by fire to the Lord on the day when Moses presented them to minister to the Lord as priests, the Lord commanded this to be given to them by the children of Israel on the day that he anointed them by a statute forever throughout their generations. So notice, that concluding statement's all about the priests. This is the portion that's theirs. God anointed them on this day, and this was shared with them. And then 37 38, classic concluding statement This is the law of the burnt offering, the grain offering, the sin offering, the trespass offering, the consecrations, and the sacrifice of the peace offering, which the Lord commanded Moses on Mount Sinai on the day when he commanded the children of Israel to offer their offerings to the Lord in the wilderness of Sinai. So with that statement, we close down the sacrifice section. Now once again, and to close, every single one of these offerings is truly fulfilled in Jesus himself. Every single one of these offerings. You don't have to give a grain offering, or a sin offering, or a trespass offering, or a peace offering, or a grain offering. You don't need to give them because God has given his own offering, Jesus. The offering to end all offerings. So we close out this section. I want to close with this one thought for you. Don't think it's odd that God cares this much about how he's worshipped. I mean, think about all the detail we just went through. And before that, when we were like at the end of the book of Exodus and all the detail, how the tabernacle was meant to be built. I mean, very specific detail, right? Why? Because God is holy and he knows how it's proper to worship him. We have to realize that God wants us to live as living sacrifices, holy and acceptable to him. That's our reasonable service. brothers and sisters, we need to come with repentant hearts. That means turning from our own ways and turning to God's way because all the sacrifices end in Jesus doesn't mean we should stop growing it means that our growth should be accelerated by the spirit because of who Jesus is
0: Jesus is People who like classic cars understand restoration, what it means to bring something broken back to its original glory. Well, as Pastor Daniel shared today, God is all about restoring broken things, especially relationships. You learn that God first works to bring back his relationships with you. Then he helps your relationship with yourself and then others. You were reminded that God
1: offers you forgiveness no matter what you've done. Hey everybody, Pastor Daniel Fusco here to tell you about my book, Upward, Inward, and Outward. You've heard me talk about these three directions for living again and again on Jesus is Real Radio, and I think they're so important. I wanted to write a book to explain even more. Upward, Inward, and Outward teaches you the importance of developing a right relationship with God and how that teaches you to love yourself well from those two healthy relationships can spring a well of love for people around you, and that's what transforms our world. Find out more and get your own copy at jesusisrealradio.com. Well, this wraps up Pastor
0: Daniel's series called Sacrifice. In this series, you discovered how Jesus completely fulfills each type of sacrifice the ancient Israelites offered in the temple. Throughout these messages, Pastor Daniel revealed that God knows all of your brokenness and failure and still completely loves and forgives you. Because of Jesus you can have a relationship with them. What an incredible gift. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. On behalf of Pastor Daniel and the entire production team, we invite you to join us again for the next edition of Jesus is Real Radio.